This ESPN Chicago podcast is presented by 19 Crimes Wine. This is Waddle and Sylvie on WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. A good karma brand's radio station. again last night did nothing at the trade deadline super bowl is this weekend there's also an interesting report from cap that we will play for you about arlington and uh, maybe 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 get this the, ball rolling yeah maybe the bears are getting uh, very close on closing the deal on the property on arlington park to build that stadium so no more videos from the mayor's office well, they could keep trying. Well, I mean, but yes, but officially, hopefully, they'll be stopping sometime soon. <laughs> There's still cool videos, though. Yeah, the city doesn't need to be spending money on making videos to try to convince the Bears to do something they've yeah, they already gotta, convinced that they're not going to do. They got other issues. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Mike Pereira is great at his job. We have talked to Mike throughout the years uh, numerous times. He's on Fox, he's doing the Super Bowl. Uh, works with our buddy Greg Olson, and uh, he joins us right now from Arizona on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Mike, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. You know, I was just down at the stadium, and I on my way back to the hotel, I saw the Goodyear blimp. I said, oh, great, the blimp's already here for the game. They said, no, oh, the blimp's here for the golf tournament. I mean, <laughs> gee, many Christmas. There are so many people down here. And there are so many people out at the golf facility. The traffic is unbelievable, but uh, it's really kind of cool being here for this whole thing. Yeah. How many uh, how many Super Bowls have you done as an official, and how many have you done as a broadcaster? As an official, I have done ten. Now that doesn't mean that I was on the field. I was in charge of the program. So for ten consecutive years, um, I basically went to. Uh, the Super Bowl, and then this is my fourth with Fox. So 14 Super Bowls, I'd like to say that they were all different. Um, Mm -hmm. The lead-up to them being different, but they're not. I mean, the lead-up is pretty much uh, the same. There's a lot of uh, distractions, a lot of functions, a lot of food, a lot of Tito's. Um, (laughs) There's just a, a lot of everything at the Super Bowls, and and uh, I've been here since um, I, I've actually been here since Sunday, and uh, so it's been kind of uh, been kind of cool being here, but also it's been kind of crazy. Mike, I, I guess over the course of time, you know what they say is, you know, the the best officiating is the officiating that you don't even recognize and you don't have right. to talk about. As the years have ticked on by, has it gotten better, or where are we at right now from your perspective with the officiating in this great game? You know, I think it's how you choose to judge your, you know, your opinion on. I mean, has it gotten better from the pure aspect of more correct calls than incorrect calls? Um, I would say, yes, it has gotten better for one reason. And that's because in the last two years, replay has been used as a video assist, has been used as an expedited review. And so if you look at the fact of over the the regular season, some 
250-some-odd corrections have been made on the field in real time. That's a good thing. Now, it doesn't necessarily make it a good thing for the officiating on the field that so many of them did have to be corrected. But um, I, I have made this statement, and I know the league isn't happy with me um, saying it, but I continue to say it, and they continue to be unhappy with me. But I think they have the best officials that they've ever had when you look at the group of 130, but I don't think it's the best officiating. And, and I think it's because this all of this input now that they are getting in their ear from on the field, from their other six officials, from the replay booth, the replay official from New York, um, the people in New York, they're all talking into their ear. And it's almost like they're officiating the game, you know, from New York, from the replay booth, more than the officials themselves are officiating the game. So it's led to, led to A, some hesitancy from the officials because they know what they are going to do could be corrected easily and then b i think we're going through this kind of time where we're overusing replay and nothing nothing to me could be more obvious to that is that what happened in kansas city and i mean in cincinnati when in the fourth quarter with about 10 minutes to go we stopped the play clock to move a ball a half a yard when it when it was third and nine it was not like it was third and one it was third and nine and so we stop it to correct a half a yard with the play clock running down and then all hell broke loose. Uh, they, they went to reset the clock and then they started the game clock when they shouldn't have started the game clock, but then the ball got snapped before they really got it shut down. And, and, you know, and then you look and say, okay, well, Mahomes got sacked on the play. Good. Okay, good. It didn't have an effect. Wait a minute. There was defensive holding on the play. So it led to an automatic first down. It was, it was it was messy, and it's kind of like, to me, all of Championship Sunday a week ago, a week from this past Sunday. It was messy, yeah. um, and and I I don't think that the calls were any worse or better than they normally are, but just the the way the game played out was messy. It, it, it's so true. Mike Pereira from Fox joining us. It's Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. Mike, why why does the league get so sensitive when you just do your job now? When you just point that out, why don't they like anyone saying that it's not the best? Well, I, I mean, listen, the league prefers that nobody talk about officiating in the first place. I mean, the... I mean, from decades ago, the the feeling of the league was let's just uh, lift up the, co- the carpet, brush it under the cop- carpet, and eventually people will stop talking about it. And maybe that was true, you know, 25 years ago. But th- the game is different from the fans' perspective now. They're more invested, whether you look at fantasy football, whether you look at gambling and where we are today in gambling. I mean – Golly, fans deserve to know. I mean, they deserve to know what has happened. They deserve to learn and have somebody teach them the rules. And And I, I think we went one stretch between myself and Dean Blandino where we finally took a little bit more public approach to it and made some comments about it and talked about some of the mistakes that were made. And now it's kind of seemed to have gone under a cover again. And they don't want to talk about it. But... Um, regardless of, you know, regardless of, 
you know, what they say, I mean, it is part of the game and, and you can't just ignore such a critical part of the game, but it's just the philosophy. Um, the least, the less you talk about them, the less you appreciate them, maybe just things will just kind of go away. Yeah, I mean, Mike, I love this game, but it seems like the powers that be consistently try to keep some things in the shadows. And, like, the expedited review is something that, that makes a lot of sense to me. But is it being used properly? And, by the way, was did they fail on the expedited review type of front early in the NFC title game? You know, um, listen, I'm happy with it generally um, because I think it does correct some things without going through a three-minute process to correct them, or it does some correct some things that keeps the, the coach having to challenge. Um, so I think it's good as long as it's used on big plays, whether or not if you rule the first down and it's actually short, move it back. Um, and if it's a change of possession play, a scoring play, and you get a quick shot, that you know that the ruling on the field was incorrect, you know, change it. But then you get to what we had with Devonta Smith in the in the 49er Eagle game, right. and you get a play on the opening drive on a fourth down play where the pass goes to Smith, he goes to the ground, looks like a catch. I mean, I thought it was a catch. And the Eagles, with his own signal, Smith's signal, raced to the line, snapped the ball. You had eight to ten seconds to try to find a shot out of 30-some-odd cameras, the one shot that showed that it was incomplete. So the that element of speed-up really kept Shanahan, I think, from challenging it and kept New York from seeing the shot but gave them the clear look that the ruling on the field was incomplete because that's the only time they will use an expedited review if they have the clear shot that it's wrong. If they don't know, they won't stop it. So... That was kind of a bad circumstance that reared its ugly head right in the first series. And, and you know, somebody said, can you change this? Is there a way to change this so that this doesn't happen again? And, and I say, well, I mean, let's kind of think of the college game here. If that was a college game on a fourth down play on a contested catch, which led to a first down, they would have stopped it immediately yes. before the ball was snapped because you don't have to wait for the shot that was conclusive to show that it was wrong and you know and the coach doesn't have to use a challenge in those types of plays. So if you think well if college can do it um, and college would have changed it to an incomplete pass, the college rule would have had San Francisco taken over the ball game or taken over the ball. I don't know how it would affect the outcome of the game the way it worked out, but still it has to be, a system that that they ought to look at in the off season to say, can we look at these huge change of possession plays and maybe stop it? Some way, figure how to stop it, even though you don't see, you know, whether the call's right or wrong, to allow for, you know, an obvious mistake to get corrected. Um, I don't know. They'll look at it, um, but then on the other hand, I mean, you know, we brought replay in and. 1999 and it was to correct the obvious errors and not to overuse it was based on facts not judgment now we're into judgment and now we're into the replay official having to make the decision as to whether he wants to use a video assist or an expedited review or wait for the challenge it's gotten more complex which 
is not necessarily a good thing. But for those of us that like the sky judge position, like me, it's a step in that direction. We've talked about that before, right? It's a step in that direction, but it's really only two years in the making. So um, we have to expect some situations to present itself as it did, but hopefully we don't even have to talk about this Monday. Mike Pereira, yeah, you're right. Mike Pereira from Fox joining us, Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. The judgment stuff is what what crushes me on roughing the passer, Mike, because I feel like there's too much judgment. In, in one person's eyes, something's roughing, and in another person's eyes, it's not roughing. And I feel like there are several plays, and I'm all for protecting the quarterback, so let me get this out there. I'm not like some guy who wants the game to be played like it's 1985 again. I want to protect the quarterback. But there are some hits that you just that that's are no big deal where the flag is being thrown. Is there something that can be done with replay there where someone can just say, look, that was nothing. Pick up the flag. The problem the problem is this. What my favorite group, my favorite group of fans, the fifty drunks in a bar, <laughs> what they think is nothing is not necessarily nothing to the league. I mean, we've seen it in the calls that they, you know, that they have supported. You know, the hit with Jones, I think, in Kansas City on the ball that came loose. And he he ended up in the process of a normal tackle landing on the quarterback. Um, That was a foul supported by the foul uh, by the by the league. But nobody nobody thought that that was a foul. So it's not going to do any good to have replay if you are going to defend those some plays, as you said, some plays which don't make sense to the, to the people that are watching it, including me, um, I think we'd find ourselves in the same position. Look, I think here's the more startling thing about where roughing the passer is today. Um, it real, really pretty much boils down to this notion of landing on top of the quarterback with all or most of your body weight, which, by the way, back in my day when I was on the field and early in the office, it was lift, and drive the quarterback down into the ground and land on top of him with most of your body weight. And now in this day and age of protection, it's just in the normal process of tackling, landing on top of them. But here's the thing. Um, 2021, 153 roughing the passer calls, 153. 2002, regular season, which we just completed, 93. A reduction of 60. I mean, I've never seen anything like that in a player safety category. And you look at it and say, what caused this reduction? Because they tried to put some common sense to it. They told the officials before the, the season started, they told us and the media too, if a, if a defender's trying to knock the ball down, they call it match the hand, trying to knock the ball out of the quarterback's hand as he's in the throwing motion, and the follow-through happens to hit the quarterback in the head, don't call it unless it's forcible. It has to clearly be forcible. And I'm telling you, when you tell an official anytime, don't call it, no matter what the, what the foul situation is, it goes from a don't call it to in their mind going, man, really, don't call it. So you get the reduction of the number of fouls, which I think was great because we were calling glancing blows to the quarterback's head, glancing blows just because there was contact 
we were calling those at fouls. And my 50 drunks in a bar would get so mad. And, um, and, and they finally came to their senses in that. So, uh, you know, the number of fouls in 2022, they were really down, which I think we all like as fans. And so if we could just focus and kind of go back and just say, look, sometimes the quarterback are going to be tackled, not hit, but tackled, normally tackled. And if it's part of a normal tackle in a situation with the pass being thrown or whatever, then you just have to accept that that's going to happen and not go crazy and drive the the uh, the normal fans loony. And so I think they will spend some time to talk about that. Yeah, I but just... I don't think, and I've talked to Rich McKay, John Mara, and they're cognizant of the fact that, you know, it'll probably come up for discussion, but none of them really think that we can do anything about that. Is it, I mean, they're, they're going to have to, in the league office, have a long discussion about a lot of this stuff, aren't they, Mike? Because, again, you mentioned a while ago the, the, the concept of, of gambling, and the league cannot accept hundreds of millions of dollars in advertising money from legal gambling sites and then still have officiating being questioned Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And when you have the technology that is now available that maybe wasn't available five, six, ten years ago, doesn't it just make sense that even if it slows down the pace of the game a touch, that there is so much at stake that getting all this, and player safety as well, it, getting it right seems like it's not as high a priority when Roger Goodell steps forward when he meets the media and says, I think that the officiating is better than it's ever been. When we all know that it can still get better, possibly, you talked about the sky judge. Where are we going with that as well? Yeah, well, we've approached that, and I, I agree with you. We just have to look at, you know, I, I here's my thing that you know, and and I was part of this. Um, we we always tried to cover our issues with band aids, and you know, band aids wear off, and and so what's what's big picture? What to me is next? I mean. What does the competition committee sit down and say, what can we do substantially to try to make officiating better? First thing that's going to come up is full-time officials. Yes. Is that going to, is that going to work? In my opinion, kind of no. And when I say kind of no, I don't agree that making all 130 officials full-time is any guarantee that it's going to get any better because you don't get any snaps. I mean, and that's where you get your experiences, snaps. So if you're going to be at home sitting on your butt looking at more video or taking more rules tests, that's not going to improve your uh, performance on the field because officiating is mental. It is not physical. It is mental. And you get this mental experience library in your brain by plays, by reps. So if you are a Major League Baseball umpire and you have a 160-game schedule, absolutely full-time. If you're NBA and you've got uh, 80 some odd games or whatever it is, absolutely full time. But do we not hear the same type of criticism during the baseball season about the baseball umpires? They're full time, and what are we doing now in the minor league? We're going to robo strike zones, um, you know. And and NBA, they're full time too. And what do we get? We get a two minute report at the end of the games that shows that you know they make five mistakes in a in a two minute period, which is, and if you extrapolated that out to a full game and multiplied two minutes times 24, five mistakes. So whether they make 150 mistakes a game, I mean, 
there's no guarantee that full time is going to make you any better. And I think it might even hurt you when it comes to the NFL because you'll lose a substantial number of your people who are successful in their own right already and won't give it up. And the league's not going to pay them what they might be making in their professions. But here I say, let's make the referees full-time, the 17 referees. And I don't mean full-time sitting at home. I mean an officiating institute in the center part of the country. And after the game is over on Sunday, they go there. They don't go home. They go there, all 17. They sit with their supervisors. They review everything together. They are the group that put together rule change proposals. They review all the calls from the previous weekend together so they get consistent messages that they can take back to their crew of six. Because right now, to really, to be truthful with you, you've got one head of officiating and you've got 130, you know, approaching 130 officials, and it's one guy sending out the messages. Now, yes, there are some what they call coaches. We used to call them supervisors. But even there, you're getting the messages which are not guaranteed to be consistent. And I'd have those 17 referees. I'd have them split the 32 teams and spend the offseason with teams going over things and working practices, not just OTAs and preseason things. I think that could really move the needle a little bit. But that's, that's by the way, that's what I proposed when I left the league in 2010. And here we are in 2023, and it hasn't got much uh, leverage right at, at all. But yet I do think that's something that it's time to change the structure, not just put a Band-Aid on and try to cover some of the some of the things that just pop up. I, I hope I they start that. listening yeah. to more of what you're saying, Mike, because I they think... They won't, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just tells me that they don't want to advance their game, which is a shame to me because, as I said, when you bring in the gambling element, which is cool from everyone's perspective, then you know getting it right has to be more of a priority or you lose your credibility. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, none of, I don't think they want to do something like this. And I think the financial aspect does play into it. I don't think they necessarily want to spend the money. I mean, wow. I, I mean, for, for the whole week, I've been grilled on Roger Goodell's comments, you know, and, and one of his comments was that their best people are leaving the officiating department, whether it's on the field or in the administrative side, like Blandino and myself, and they're going to the networks. And, you know, you think back in the history of our department, Art McNally, just in the hall of fame, he was the head of officiating for 24 years. I mean, Jerry Seaman, um, he was the head of officiating for 10 years in the office. Then me, I stayed in for 12, and I was the actual head for nine. And I left at the 2009 season, and after the 2009 season. And now we've had four more in that period of time. So there's there's this whole thing of this new leadership that goes and goes. And you know, when you look at somebody like Dean or myself or even the referees, and they weren't at the very end of their career, but you just have to just understand. I mean, if you're a human being and somebody comes to you and says, we'll pay you three times as much and you can work 50% less, <laughs> well, uh, what are you going to do? The decision all of a sudden becomes your wife's decision, not yours. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, and, and they never, I mean, uh, the head of officiating, that job to me is so important. 
and so difficult. I say it's the second most difficult job in the league. Um, second, maybe to Rogers, the commissioner. But it should be paid that way. I mean, and other than one contract I've got, it's basically been at will. That position's an at will employee, mm-hmm. and um, and that's ludicrous with how important it is. But um, and I I can't say that it's just the NFL because it's not just the NFL. It's applicable too to the NBA and to Major League Baseball with their leadership. But it's just to me under appreciated, although they would deny that, but it's hard to deny it when somebody's been through it and says it. But it's um, it's just something that the whole approach, it should be an EVP position and not an at-will employee. Yeah, Mike, great stuff. We this can talk awesome. all day. We yep. appreciate your time. Have a great broadcast, okay? Thanks, Mike. You got it. Thanks so much. There you go. There's Mike Pereira. He used to head up the NFL officiating department. He's now the rules expert. He was the first guy, right, on Fox? And yeah, he was I think he so. sort of it was the first to do it on television. And he's now, got a lot of great ideas yeah. too. And and now everybody copies what what he does on the air. Everyone's got a rule expert. Remember, Mike Carey was the second, and he was not nearly as good as Mike Pereira. Let's bring in Mike Carey. No, no, let's no, not. No, let's. Get Whenever in. Jim Nance would say that, I would cringe. All right, Awado's world is coming up next. There's a, a there's a new news story on Tom Brady. There, yes, there is, and it was, yes, it was yeah, the thing yeah. that we all talked just, about. Just tell us in Waddle's world. Keep an eye on it. Uh, it's coming up next. This is Waddle's world. And in Chicago, Tom Waddle. He can't run, he's not fast, but he gets open. Bears legend. Amazing. Nine career TDs in the NFL. He caught everything that was thrown and took every hit that they could give him. Tom Waddle. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Welcome to Waddle's world. Come inside. Let's get weird. 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 You know what's weird? I stayed up till midnight last night watching ghost shows on True Network. I don't know why I got stuck. I got caught, kind of caught in the I can't get to sleep vortex. What are you more freaked out about, UFOs or ghosts? That's a really good question. Thank you don't get any credit for that, but um, I'd say UFOs. I think because, like, when the aliens do get here, um, I'm more concerned about what their what their motives are versus spirits. I believe in spirits. You believe in spirits? You believe in, yeah, you know, yes, ghosts? Yes, for sure. Quote, unquote. I mean, it was a really entertaining show. I know the skeptic's going to say that's all just hooey. But I was watching it, and I thought, you know... I'm, Found it somewhat entertaining. You believe in UFOs, yes? Oh, yeah, I believe in that, yes. I, I think you're ignorant, ignorant and arrogant if you don't believe that there may be other life forms out there. Okay, so while they're out there, yeah. do you believe this? That any human being has ever been taken in, a, in one of their ships? I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out. My mind is open to a lot of that stuff. Do you think that our government has aliens and have has alien remains? Or I don't know. I don't think so. You don't? I don't. No. Do you believe that people have been taken up on the spaceship? Could be, yes. 
So why could they have done it, but we didn't? I don't know if people know that they've been taken up in the spaceship. Okay. I'm just saying my mind's maybe, open maybe, to a lot of it. Maybe they scan your brain after that. What did they find if they just scanned your brain? They find a lot of anger towards a local basketball team. Yeah, like this dude, a lot is, of hope this, with regard to a football team. This, this dude's too worried about Arlington Heights and and Jerry Reinsdorf. Yeah. Uh, let's have a little uh, source uh, pissing contest. Would you like uh, one of those? What? A source pissing contest. I mean, source is, you know, like or two of the big a wigs in off? the. Two of the big wigs in the business. All right, let's hear what you got. Shefty, our guy. Yeah. Shefty, join us this week. Yeah. Just reported Tom Brady officially filed a letter today with the NFL and the NFL Players Association reconfirming his Feb 1 retirement per sources. This letter silences any questions about whether Brady might return and now makes him eligible for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2028. This is kind of what I said. Like, keep an eye on whether or not he does officially file his papers. I don't think Gronk still has. To which, you know, this is Shefty. It's, it's Super Bowl week. We're winding down Super Bowl week. Shefty's ESPN top dog, right? So, of course, Florio comes over the top because yeah. that's what we, that's what I, we I do in this, this on my business, screen. Right? I'm glad you're going to read this. From Pro Football Talk, Tom Brady filing a retirement letter is a completely and totally meaningless gesture. He can come back whenever he wants. Well, yeah, I, I guess, yes, that is actually true. It would then reset when Tom Brady would be eligible to go into the Hall of Fame. And I would just ask, why? Why would you want to do this? Why would you want to go through the process? If you're still thinking about playing, just don't file your retirement papers. Well, he may not be thinking about uh, playing now, but uh, in June, he could be thinking about playing. Yeah. Or maybe he's decided that that's it, and right. I'm going to file my t- I, retirement I, I, papers and move on to the I, next I stage think of life. All Florio is saying, I don't think this is a source off. All Florio is saying, it doesn't just because you file your papers doesn't mean you're not allowed to still come back. It doesn't mean that now for sure you can't unretire. Well, I mean, Shefty wasn't suggesting to you that the NFL has banned him from coming back. Shefty's reporting that he filed his retirement papers, which is usually the process that I'm sure there may be a case or two over the course of the last 50 years in the NFL when a player filed his retirement player papers and then went back. So, yes, Florio is accurate that it doesn't prohibit Tom Brady. He has not been canceled from the NFL like he's not allowed to come back. If he decides he wants to come back, he can unretire and unsign his papers and then come back. But this is a pretty good sign. The essence I interpret it as, Shefty was saying this is something he hasn't done prior. It's another step. It's another step towards this being a firm decision for Tom Brady. Yeah. I thought this was kind of, you know, a Super Bowl sword fight. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl sword fight. Yeah. Whip it out. Whip it real good. Excuse me? Both of those comments were kind of weird. You're the one who called it a source pissing match. Yeah. And then a sword well, fight. Think, yes, but then you just back there screamed, whip it out. Well, if you're having a pissing contest, somebody has to whip oh, it out, don't they? Do we, do we have some news here today? Do we? What do we have? You want me to what hit a have? sound or something? I don't know. Now, I, I, does Daniel... Daniel Greenberg, who always you picks call them up 
people's aggregators. News. Is that what the people, yeah. you smart people in our broadcast industry, call these? Da- folks? Uh, uh, Daniel Greenberg is is saying, Tyler, that Woj is saying that once Russell Westbrook reaches his buyout with Utah, that the Bulls are expected to be the front runners. Well, you're going to get your wish. <laughs> You're gonna get I your don't wish, know, like, uh, but That's I don't what see the that on Woj's timeline. So I don't know where he's if he's up in on Sports Center. Keep your eye on the those timeout huddles are going to be fun with him and let, Zach. Let's get crazy and let's get nuts. Let's get Prince on. I mean his music. Uh oh, let's go. I, I just I skipped the anger phase. I'm right in the apathetic phase. Uh, I thought you're you're you were reiterating the uh, the news for all Cub fans out there. The free agent right-hander Mike Ful- Michael Fulmer has agreed to a deal with the Cubs, according to the Athletic. Yeah, I like it. I like another good move. How can yeah. you not? I think they've had. How a can good, you not? They've had a good off season. They've had a good off season. Good off seasons don't always mean that they're going to have a good year. But I like the moves they've made this offseason. Shams has got a little story here for the business folks. Uh, American businessman and Cleveland Browns owner Jimmy Haslam in the Haslam Sports Group. Aren't they, uh, did they make their fortune in the truck stop business? Yes, I've always, I've always told you that, yes. Okay, you get credit for it. I just, you, you, I give you accreditation. You're the reason why we know this. Anyway, they're in serious talks to buy uh, Bucks co-owner Mark Lazary's stake in the Milwaukee Bucks. Really? That's what we're hearing here. That's what Shams is hearing. That's what he's saying. Tiger Woods is committed to next week's Genesis Invitational. You're going to watch golf next week? I know I will. Tiger said, I'm ready to play an actual PGA Tour event next week. Uh, he tweeted that. Uh, Woods' Let's foundation. Tiger. Serves as the Genesis Invitational Organizer. He was in the Los Angeles area for the event in February 2021. Actually, when he suffered that major leg injury in the car crash. You want to talk some hockey? We'll make Always. it brief. We'll make it brief. Well, why? Because I like to get to the point and move on when okay. it comes to hockey. Uh, Kaner's not pleased that the Rangers no longer are a possibility for a trade partner. He wanted to go there. Kane uh, admitted that he was looking at the Rangers as a possible option and isn't happy they opted to acquire Tarasenko instead. It's not like the happiest I've been to hear about a trade, Kaner said after the Hawks practice. So, Kaner not happy. So, is he is he unhappy at the Rangers? Is he unhappy that the Hawks dragged their feet? Who's he unhappy with? I think he's just unhappy about the situation. In I think it's just a general. I don't know if it was the Hawks necessarily. I think the Rangers probably saw that Tarasenko being available and Kane dealing with the hip issue that he has been. They probably preferred Vladimir Tarasenko to Kane, and but now that takes the Rangers off the table for a possible trade destination, which makes him unhappy. And, yeah, and I'm not sure there's any anywhere else in the league he really was that interested in, in waiving his trade or his no movement clause for. I know you've seen this, but I'm going to uh, give you the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2023. Yeah, this, this was decided sucks. upon last night, as was the NFL at the honors program. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is your NFL MVP. Well, that, that's not the part that sucks. That's good. No, that's good. Did you and see the expected. stat that nine straight MVPs have lost the Super Bowl? Going back to Kurt Warner. Is that right? That's who I think the last quarterback who won the MVP to win the Super Bowl was. Uh, this is your class. 
Rondé Barber, cornerback from the Bucks. That surprised me. Darrell Rivas, cornerback for several teams. Unsurprising. Joe Thomas, tackle for the Browns. Unsurprising. Zach Thomas, linebacker with the Dolphins and for one year the Cowboys. Surprising. Demarcus Ware. Bit surprising. Uh, and the uh, Veterans Committee guys, I guess, that went in as the best way to describe it. Don Coriel. Remember Eric Coriel? Oh, yeah. Uh, he goes in. Chuck Howley, linebacker. Originally drafted by the Bears, I believe, but made his hay with the Cowboys. Joe Klecko, I believe, is one of the few players that has been named All-Pro at both defensive end and defensive tackle over the course of time. The Rattler, Kenny Riley, cornerback from the Bengals. Growing up, I was uh, obviously a big fan of Kenny Riley's. Uh, and I, that's it. That's the crew. No Devin Hester, unfortunately. No, should be. Hopefully so, um, next year. I was surprised to mention this in uh, Unhinged. Uh, Nurko was very happy about Hester. Ridiculous just for Just being Yurko. a wise ass. Being a wise ass. Unhinged. Uh, download that today. I thought it was the most fun we've had in a long time. I laughed Unhinged. quite a bit. Yes. I would suggest not working out during it because I think you're going to laugh so hard during certain times. You may poop yourself. You poop yourself. You drop the dumbbell if you're going to be lifting. Uh, you'll, people will be looking at you at the gym. Tell me if you think it's true. Um, but um, we talked about it, and I think he'll get in next year. And I was surprised about Torrey Hull. I thought Torrey yeah, Hull. No, yeah, no, no wide receivers going. That's weird where not one wide receiver was. Get, Reggie gets Wayne was a finalist. Is, am I right? Was Reggie Wayne a finalist? I thought he was. Yes, and so was Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson, yeah. So uh, next year, uh, first year Hall of Fame eligibles. Include Julius Peppers and Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates' first ballot, right? I think so. Did he play long enough? 16 years. Yeah, he's got a lot of records for tight ends. They might have, I mean, Tony Gonzalez may have broken some of them, but. The only other all decade player among the first time eligible players. You know, he never played a down in college football, he was a basketball player. That's a good fact. Yeah, it's a great fact. Who was the first name you mentioned? Uh, Julius Peppers. Pep. Does Peppers go in on first ballot? I think so. He's fourth all-time in sacks. Okay. It was a two-time all-decade selection during his 17-year career. Like, my first blush when we had this conversation, I think we talked about this either during Unhinged or after Unhinged. My first response was, I don't know. And then when you think harder and more detailed, then you're like, yeah, he's he's going by the way, you want more uh, Russell Westbrook intel? Oh, I can't wait. Uh, Casey Johnson, who's always in tune with what they could do, just tweeted out a minute ago. Billy Donovan last night said he knows he sounds like a broken record when talking about playing with a lack of urgency and not meeting a standard of play. The lack of urgency alone would be a reason the Bulls would be interested in Russell Westbrook if he hits the buyout market. Remember, Billy coached him in OKC. Yeah. Uh, And there's another article going around on The Athletic calling Russell Westbrook toxic inside the Lakers locker room. Let's do this. When we come back, we'll do a little something that's kind of toxic. It's called Florida or Ohio. Get ready to play the game that's sweeping the nation. Public drunkenness. Exotic animals. Dumb criminals. Random stabbings. 
or maybe just some good old-fashioned debauchery. Ah. Everything's on the table. It's the Sunshine State versus the Buckeye State as we play Florida or Ohio. And as always, listeners, feel free to play along at home. That's right. Florida, Ohio, brought to you by 19 Crimes Wine. Got some Snoop in my bag. You got it. Uh, you're bringing it home. Yeah. We, we've got the big game pregame. Cali Red. On uh, Sunday, noon to 2. Tune in uh, before the big game. Uh, we're going to be on Twitch. Twitch only. Twitch only broadcast. All your favorites from ESPN 1000, including Big Cat. Don't do that. Why? I saw you twitching over there. 19 Crimes Wine tells the story of rule breakers who beat the odds and became infamous. Pick up a bottle today and live infamously on your own terms. Do you know that Snoop's signature looks like yours a little bit? You think so? Yeah. Got a lot in common. The S. Just a big uh, line. Uh, So, yes, uh, Twitch tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. Make sure you subscribe. Noon to two, uninterrupted, uncensored. Two straight hours of all your favorites here. Going to be talking about the big game and some other fun stuff. I'll remind you over the weekend on uh, Twitter to tune in. Can't wait. Okay, Bart. What do you got, Tyler? All right. Six-year-old caught drinking beer in public twice. I did not. How, wait, six? Six-year-old caught in public drinking beer twice. Uh, is it Braxton? Shocking moment at a gas station when a six-year-old drinking beer became even worse when police arrived at the child's home last Friday. It got worse when the kid asked for a smoke. <laughs> a woman has been charged in connection with a six-year-old boy drinking alcoholic beverages. The young boy was seen in a gas station getting out of a car and walking into the store holding and drinking a Smirnoff ice. Oh, oh, he didn't even have, he didn't even have a Coors Light. Nope. He had a Smirnoff ice. Mm-hmm. Like some malt liquor to get yes! you get your day going. You for Let's go take it down on a knee and, and chug it too. One employee asked the little boy if he knew he was drinking beer. Not only did the young boy know he was drinking beer, he told the lady that it was his mom's favorite beer. Got worse. It uh, took an even stranger turn later when, in the day, the police paid the young boy a visit at his home. According to the police report, deputies then went to the home where they found the same child on a scooter in the middle of the road with another Smirnoff ice in his hand. Just scooting. That's all I'm doing is scooting. Oh, wait, where, what was he doing? He was on, on a scooter. scooter. This Can is you scoot Florida. in Ohio? It's he, a little cold. You can. It's been mild lately. But th- Got that, your I, jacket on. Yeah, I think this is, that gave it away. I was going to go Ohio I was until too. Then. I'm going to have to change my, uh, I'm going to have to change my vote to uh, Tallahassee. Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to go back to Vero Beach. That, you go there a lot. Yeah, well, that's where chaos is born. Yeah, I think there's some good detective work there by Sylvia. I'll go with the uh, panhandling state as well. Give me Florida. It took place in Hanover Township, Ohio. Whoa! Oh, the kid taking a little... The uh, weather got me. I was thinking yeah, the way you right. were. I was thinking the way Too you were. obvious. Huh? Wow. Good one, Tyler. Very good one. Bad story, but good job. Yes, yeah, last time I listened to young. Sylvie. All right, Doug Kazarian is a guy you want to listen to because uh, he has some great props. We talked to him earlier in the day. 
Uh, we will deliver it to your doorstep uh, coming up here in just a few minutes. Uh, all the good gambling props for the Super Bowl coming up next.